Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Reading from Luke chapter two, verse eight. That night, There were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. You can be seated. Hey, we've been in this collection of talks. We've called it Fear Not. And um, we've looked at Mary and the experience she had when the angel came to Mary and said, Fear Not. We've looked at the experience of Joseph when the angel came to him and said, don't be afraid, fear not. And this morning, we want to look at and we will look at the shepherds and how the angels showed up out in the field where they were watching their flocks of sheep. And again, the angels said, fear not, fear not. This morning, that's what I want to say to you as well. Fear not. Don't be afraid. And I know the obvious thing that we can point at this morning. When I say fear not, you may want to say, who are you kidding? Who are you kidding? What do you mean fear not? I'm afraid of all kinds of things. I'm afraid of the economic situation that we're in. I'm scared about my future. How do I live at peace and how do I live in a place of joy when my economic outlook, when my job is in question, when I've just been laid off of work? How do I live in a piece of, place of peace and joy when my marriage is on the rocks, when my relationships are broken? What then do I do? Even as a follower of Jesus, how do I lean into peace and joy and hope? Fear keeps us. Fear keeps us from stepping in when it seems easier to step out. I'll just be straight with you. This morning, there's a sense that I want to step out, that I want to step back instead of stepping forward. See, just like you, there are moments in my life, just as in your life, when we get to make choices about what we will or won't do. 
And sometimes we just have to do the thing that is the most difficult for us. Sometimes we don't feel like doing the next thing in front of us. Fear of the unknown. Fear of how this message is going to track with you this morning. That's a real fear for me. Often when I stand up here. How's it going to connect? Fear keeps us from experiencing the good that God has created for us to do since the beginning of time. That sounds like something that is just, you know, it's a nice thing to say. But if you understand that God's spirit is in you for a specific purpose, for this time, for this season of your life, for this season of this community's life, you'll catch a vision for resisting the fear. And the other thing is, fear-induced hopelessness. Look, that ultimately is the culprit in so many lives being lived in the shadow of their potential. Fear and the uh, hopelessness that's induced by it is the thing that keeps people from thinking that their life is actually worth living. On Tuesday, Stephen Twitch Boss was one of about 130 human beings, people, that decided to end his life. Now, we know Twitch because he's famous. But on average, there's 129 other people that joined him in the United States on Tuesday that they made the decision that life is too hopeless for us to continue on. This year alone, if the trend continues, we'll see 46,000 people approximately end their lives in the United States. In 2020, an estimated 12.2 million American adults seriously thought about suicide. 3.2 million planned a suicide attempt. Now, that's, the, that's more than the population of Chicago. To get, it, to get perspective. And 1.2 out of that 3.2 actually attempted suicide. Now let's bring it real close to home. The painful truth is that hopelessness in this county is incredibly high among children. I don't know if you know this, but children up to 19 years of age, our suicide rate in Elkhart County is twice that of the state as a whole. Perhaps, perhaps we've gotten accustomed to the dark. The darkness of our thoughts, our actions. Some of us have gotten accustomed to the darkness of our past. We haven't resolved those things in our past that continue to bring pain and difficulty into our lives. 
Perhaps we've gotten accustomed to the darkness of our culture. Some of us, even this morning, were asking the same questions that Twitch may have been asking before he ended his own life. And those questions might sound something like, what is the value of my life? What do I bring to the people around me? Is there more? Is it possible that my best days are behind me? Can I overcome this darkness? Is there a way out? Because God, God seems hidden. He doesn't show his face. He stands behind the proverbial wall. We can't see him. We don't feel him. We can't feel his presence. It's, it's, it's as if he turned his back and just walked away. Now the ancients, here's where we can have some hope. This message will be hopeful, I promise you. The ancients knew something about that sense that God had left the room. For 400 years, from the time of the last word being written in the book of Malachi, to these angelic visitations recorded in Matthew and Luke, there were 400 years that were called the quiet years, when no new scripture was written, when it seemed that God was missing from the equation. And perhaps this tracks with you this morning. So I want to encourage you. In those quiet years, in those quiet times, when God seems absent, when, he has, when it seems that he has pulled back, I would encourage you to step in. Keep, keep stepping in. Keep stepping forward. Don't give up. See, some of the mystery of God is that, is that when he seems most absent, is often just before he becomes very present. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And at just the right time, the revelation comes. He is perfect in his time. I know that we think we know better. Come on, God, where are you at? Where are you at in this moment of my hopeless, hopeless feeling? This sense that nothing is going to turn out the way I intended it to turn out. Where are you, God? That's when we must trust him. That's when we must exercise our faith and just see what he might do. This is what I imagine the shepherds did. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks. One could ask, why shepherds? Why would God reveal himself to seemingly the lowliest group of people? Why wouldn't he reveal himself to the political elite and the rich and powerful instead of the least of these? Would he really, would he really reveal himself to a rough and tumble crowd like these shepherds? Well, it's true, he did. It's true, he showed up in the middle of that field. Now it's possible, there are all kinds of theological theories and arguments about who exactly the shepherds were. But let's just assume that a part of this is at least true, that they were perhaps scraping the bottom of the barrel when it came to their societal standing. Maybe they felt and were viewed as unworthy. I mean, their, their work brought them into contact with carcasses of sheep, and they were dirty and probably unkept. And their work 
meant that they were considered by the Jewish culture, the Jewish religion, as not good enough for God or the temple. Their work made them ceremonially unclean. Unworthiness. Boy, that's one that gets so many of us. I could never, I could never be good enough. I've done too much back there, which requires me to consider myself, yeah, I'm just not worthy of the goodness of God in my life. Some of us are there. Perhaps the shepherds felt inadequate. They were typically uneducated, social outcasts. Again, in the Jewish religion, they couldn't keep the Sabbath. They were working. You and I, we find all kinds of ways to perpetuate this sense of inadequacy. One of the ways we do it is we do it by comparing. The holiday season is a great time to compare how you're doing. I mean, you can look at, well, you go over to their house and their house is all picked up. My house, not so much. Maybe things are scattered all over the place at my house. Somehow, I feel completely inadequate now because I'm not matching up to what other people's homes look like. That's just one example. We find all kinds of ways to perpetuate this inadequacy that we feel. We make ourselves less than. Perhaps we feel unloved, and maybe the shepherds felt unloved. They often had bad reputations. They were, new, they were known to be thieves and liars. And I'll bet that there were at least a few of those shepherds who believed that they were not lovable, that they couldn't be loved. And maybe you've aligned yourself with that sort of thinking as well. What I love as I've studied this scripture, what I love is that God shows up in the middle of their darkness, in the place where they were hopeless, in the place where they didn't know what was coming next. I believe there are some of us in the house this morning, we have great plans for our future. But one day, one of these days, God is gonna show up and he's gonna flip that switch in your life. And the brilliance of his presence is going to come and surround you just as it did to those shepherds. In verse 9, suddenly, suddenly, without warning, an angel of the Lord appeared. Like, the creativity we see in movies sometimes, it derives straight from Scripture. It materialized. It's like the genie showed up, right? In Aladdin, you know, the genie shows up out of nothing. In that moment, the angel materialized. It appeared. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. I had to wonder, what is that like? What, is, what does that mean? All right, you and I just talking. What's the radiance of the glory of the Lord? Well, we have a few other examples of that in Scripture. In the Old Testament, Moses was out minding his own business, working in the fields, and off in the distance, there was a burning bush. Key point, off in the distance, there was a burning bush. 
He walks toward it. God says, from the burning bush, God says, hey, this is holy ground. Take off your shoes. Don't come any closer. In the tabernacle of the Israelites, as they wandered around the desert uh, in the wilderness, in the tabernacle, the presence of God showed up. But you didn't get close. On the mountain where the law was given, God was at a distance. Don't come close. Moses got as close as anyone got. Moses came off of that mountain with a face that was so bright that he had to have it veiled in order for the people to then be able to look on him. God was at a distance. They were terrified. The angel shows up. The shepherds are terrified. There are two Greek words that are used here that we still use in the English language. Megaphobia. Megaphobia. Great fear. But the angel reassured them. And again, here's this word. Don't be afraid. Fear not. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. God has come close. God has come close. For the first time in recorded history, God has come close. He isn't at a distance anymore. The light is all around the shepherds. It envelops them. No longer is there any distance between man and God. The glory of the Lord shone all around them. God has come close. No longer at a distance. Not even, they're not even told to take off their shoes or sandals. They're standing in the presence just as they are. Exposed to the light. This is a first. And it's a first coming to a shepherd out in the field in the darkness of night. God has come close. He's moved into the neighborhood. I wonder if we should rethink this revelation that came to the shepherds in the dead of night, in the darkness. I tend to believe that they had gotten acclimated to the dark. They had gotten accustomed to the dark. And so what a shock it is when an angel shows up in the field. It's not like it was with the burning bush. It's not a gradual manifestation out there in the distance somewhere. It was right in front of them. Suddenly, one minute it was pitch black. The next it was brighter than day. The glory of the Lord shone around them. Hope has come. The angels were announcing the birth of hope the birth of Jesus. In verse 11, the Savior, this is the announcement. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. The rest of the story is that they went looking. They were motivated. They found everything just as they had been told. You and I can look at this passage of scripture and because we have heard it for, as some of us, as long as we can remember, we can bypass the significance of what it means to be surrounded by the glory of God. The glory of God says, I bring good news of great joy, mega joy. Jesus shows up. He's the promised redeemer. He's revealed to us. 
See, Jesus came and, and he is the creator of the world and now he's come as a baby and he has come to create something new in us. To take this life of ours and make something out of the dust of the earth. And all along the way, I believe that his word to us is fear not. I have come. I have come. I have come. The question for you and I is, how do we respond to that good news? This morning, as I stepped up here on the stage, there was a sense that with all of us in this space and those that are online, that in these days of high holiday, of joy and hope and peace, that there are many of us that are grappling with these days. And I want you to know that we need to get real about some of those feelings. Like it's easy for us as a congregation to gather in this place. We put on a smile and we assume that everyone around us is in great shape, that we're all doing well. The truth is that many of us aren't doing well. The truth is that there is a lot going on. And so it's, it's so significant and important for us as a people that follow Jesus that we actually are the people of hope. That we actually are the people that do more than just give a passing nod to someone. That we are the people of joy. That we are the people of hope and peace. And that means we have to do really hard work sometimes. We really have to look deep and we have to ask God to do his refining work in us so that we are the people that bring joy to our community, that bring joy to every single person we meet, to do everything we can to lift the burden off the shoulders of those we connect with. The promise of God is that when we step into relationship with him, he says, I am going to give you my spirit. My spirit will inform you. My spirit will infuse your every move. If you will open your heart and allow that to happen. The key point in that is this idea of surrender. And in order to surrender to something, you have to trust that something. In order to exercise faith, you need to trust what you're putting your faith in. And I want you to know this morning that the Jesus that came 2,000 years ago 
the Jesus that came 2,000 years ago and made his home here among us. God made man. He experienced what you and I experienced. So the, the hopelessness, he didn't give himself to hopelessness, but he experienced that at various times. What you feel, what I feel, in our emotions is not a mystery to God. He too has experienced all those things. And he comes alongside us. And he brings hope. He brings joy. He brings peace. Where we feel empty and dark inside. Would you stand with me? In Romans 3, Paul writes these words. In verse 20, he says, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. That's true for the shepherds. It's true for us. We can't be good enough. Except that the blood of Jesus, whose death on the cross gives us life. Except for Jesus, we can never be good enough. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Key verse right here. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Bottom line. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Whether you are a shepherd, a priest, a prophet, from Wall Street to Main Street, this is true for all of us. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. This morning during our prayer time, um, as we always, I mean, for the last five years, Philippians 4, 6 has been the word that uh, we have used, the scripture we've used to introduce our prayer and praise moment during the service. We don't ever use the last part of verse 5, though. And the last part of verse 5 says, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. The Lord came near to the shepherds in the fields. The Lord is near right now, this morning. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This morning, I want to just extend an invitation to you. The prayer team is going to be up front during our last song. The Lord is near. And for some of us, we need to take a step so that we can combat the darkness. We need someone to come alongside us to pray for us. So we just invite you to come receive prayer this morning. And before we do that, I want to just extend an invitation. If there's anyone in the house or anyone online that has not yet said yes to Jesus, 
This is a key moment in your life again. And it's very simple. There's no, there's nothing complicated about saying yes to Jesus. You can simply say these words, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. That's a, that's a matter of trust. That's a matter of faith. But it's as simple as starting with those few words. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth, you too will be saved. Jesus, I give you my life. So let me pray for us. Father, for anyone in the room or online that is calling out to you and perhaps for the very first time, they're acknowledging that they need a Savior. God, would just meet them right where they are. As they experience the life of your Spirit in them, may they be renewed with hope and joy, and peace. May your presence envelop them as it enveloped the shepherds out on that dark night. And may everything that they hear from you turn out to be true. For anyone that is experiencing unworthiness, they have a feeling that they're not worth the time, that, that Jesus is just not going to look at them. Unworthy, unloved, inadequate. If those words resonate with you, let me just pray over you even now. God, in the name of Jesus, would you break that Break those words off of my people. God, you know each heart, you know each soul that's in this building this morning. And you know the, the depth of the pain that some of my friends here experienced even this week. So I speak against the enemy that wants to keep us feeling like we're not worth the love of God. I speak against the enemy that would keep us from being loved. And God, we know that we are inadequate, really, in so many ways. Except that you have come, that we will have life, and that we will have life abundantly. Holy Spirit, would you do your work even now here among us? Fill in the gaps. Fill in the places where human words and music and presence is not adequate for what you want to do. God, I pray you'd fill in the gaps.
where there is discouragement, bring life and hope. Where there is chaos, bring peace. Where there is darkness, let your light surround the darkness. Your light overcomes the darkness. It always overcomes the darkness. Thank you for coming close. For being right here with us. For not being at a distance anymore. God, we're so grateful. We're grateful for the joy that is set before us. And as we go now into this week of Christmas, may we be people of joy and grace and peace. Let us be people that share hope with everyone we connect with. May your name be the only name that we glorify. May your name be the only name that is high and holy and lifted up in our lives. God, I also just speak to those that have had suicidal thoughts this week that are grappling with whether life is of value. God, would you give them the courage and the strength that they so desperately need? We speak life and freedom we speak against fear in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.